one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. Funny, but I, I love this time of year. Um, this time of the year is known as Advent, the season of Advent. Somebody say Advent. And if you if you was with us last year, this is something that we talked about a lot, and you know this is something that um, I love to celebrate. And so this morning you're definitely going to get some you're definitely going to get some theology. You're definitely going to get a lot of a uh, lot of data, a lot of biblical data. But I promise it uh, it, uh, it it all leads somewhere. Amen? Amen. So if you're taking notes, you can put at the top Advent, and this will be our new series this week, and we'll be talking about it for all the way leading up all the way up to Christmas. And it's not just something that we do, but it's something that is marked on the Christian calendar. And Advent, what Advent is, um, you know, it comes from the Latin term Adventus, which means arrival or coming, arrival or coming. And really, particularly the arrival or the anticipation of something or someone who has great importance. So Advent is all about preparing for someone that has that's coming and that someone has great importance. Amen. Now, the season of Advent, if you don't know, it's, it's a time where we're waiting and expecting and celebrating by thanking God for Jesus' first coming to the earth. He came as a baby. So we're, we're thanking him for his first coming to the earth. We're thanking him for his indwelling presence today. Amen. And that's where his spirit lives on the inside of us. And, and most importantly, Advent is also a time where we Christians, somebody say, I, where we're focused on spiritual preparation and anticipation of his return. Amen. So let me break this down. Let me make it even more plain. So what we're doing with Advent, we're celebrating the fact that he came, came as sweet little baby Jesus, innocent baby Jesus, eight pounds, four ounces. I don't know what it was. Don't, don't, don't quote me on that. But we're celebrating the fact that he came and, and literally the Bible says that he was God in heaven and he put on skin and flesh and became the incarnation, the carnal word, the word made flesh. Amen. That's what that means, the incarnation, flesh. That word carne, carna, is flesh. He put on flesh. He put on our flesh. And I love this. This isn't in the notes, so you can add this if you want to. But I love this because when you look up that, that word in the Greek, when it, that word flesh, it's not just talking about the, the skin that you touch, but it's actually talking about the weakest point or part of humanity. So when Jesus put on skin and bones, he didn't take, you know, he, he didn't put on uh, the type of flesh that was, that, you know, was, uh, was immune to sickness and disease. No, Jesus caught a cold. Jesus got sick just like humans got sick as a baby. Jesus, when, 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 you know, when you experience cold, when you experience hot weather, when you experience getting pricked by a thorn, Jesus experienced all that. And the Bible says that he put on the same type of flesh that we have. I love this. So with Advent, we celebrate that. We honor it. But also we celebrate and prepare our hearts and minds for when he returns. Amen. Amen. Now, the story of Advent, it's it's the story of creation of uh, it's the story from creation all the way up until uh, uh, Jesus's second coming. It's a good way for us to remind ourselves about the big story of God that has been that has been going on since Adam and Eve, all the way through the apostles, all the way through Jesus, all the way through us today. Amen. Amen. And it gets to, it reminds us about how the Holy Spirit is he's still working in the story of God. It's 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 working through us. We are we are the pages. Our life is the pages. Our, our life could be the sentences or the words that are being added to the pages of how this thing plays out. Amen. Amen. Now, Advent, it always starts four Sundays before Christmas this year. It actually instead of starting on uh, instead of starting immediately after Thanksgiving this year, it actually started today, December 3rd, and it goes all the way up until December 24th. Now, 
some of y'all will like this. I told Kelsey, and she was like, yeah. But, you know, uh, and with the season of Advent, it actually goes from December 3rd all the way to December 24th. And then the 12 days of Christmas actually starts on December 25th. And then the 12 days of Christmas, you're like, wait, 12 days? What do you, what do you mean 12 days? Parents, don't, don't worry. You ain't got to keep buying gifts or anything like that. But the 12 days of Christmas run from December 25th all the way to January 6th all the way to January 6th. And the reason why January 6th is because this is the estimated day toward the Magi or the wise men arrive to visit Jesus and to worship him and to honor him and bless him with gifts. And this day is called the Feast of Epiphany, the Feast of Epiphany, or some people know it as uh, Theophany. So the Feast of Epiphany is the day where the Magi, where they arrive to worship Jesus. Or it's also known as Theophany. And the reason Theophany is because on this same day, not only do we reverence and focus on the fact that the wise men came to visit Jesus and worship him and honor him, but also 30 plus years later, this is the same day that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Ooh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I told you, if you if you biblical nerd, you might like this. But you know, so we, so Lindsay, what does all this have to do with us? Everything, because we live in a world where around this time it's all about consume, consume, consume. I heard somebody say it was literally October 31st, Halloween. November 1st, you know, on October 31st, you heard on the radio, Thriller, Thriller, and then November 1st, all I want for Christmas is you. there, There is no in between. But we as Christians, guess what? We get to celebrate the in between. We get to lead up to this. Now, the reason we do this is because it helps us address key issues such as what's the real reason we look forward to Christmas? What's the real reason we're looking forward to? Or watch this. What's the reason that we're not looking forward to it? That's one of the big things. Everybody loves to focus on churches, love to focus on, OK, well, we got to make sure we're, we, we got to make sure that we're we're looking forward to this in the right way. Well, that is one side of the coin. But another side of the coin is we got to make sure we actually are looking forward to this and not dreading the holiday. Amen. Another, another reason we, we, we talk about Advent is because it, it gives us a chance to wholeheartedly celebrate Jesus' coming to the earth in the form of a baby. And also, it spiritually prepares your heart and my heart for his second coming. Amen? Amen. Some practical ways to celebrate, if you, if, you, if you look up on the internet or if you do this this year, we are, we are going to attempt to do this, but there's this thing called an Advent wreath. And then the Advent wreath that has four purple candles, and within those four purple candles, there's actually a white candle that sits in the middle. I think I have a picture of it somewhere. But on the Advent wreath, those four purple candles represent four Sundays, and those four Sundays leading up to December 24th. And I love this because each Sunday or each candle represents a certain theme, hope, joy, peace, and love. Amen. And that fifth candle, the fifth candle, it's a white candle. And that white candle represents Jesus. Now, Lindsay, why does that white candle represent Jesus? The reason it represents Jesus is because Jesus was the innocent, the spotless lamb, the lamb of God that came to take away the what? Sins of the world. Amen. So literally each week, uh, ways to honor or ways to practice Advent. Well, one of the things that we are going, our little family is going to attempt to do, I bought, uh, uh, mom bought us an Advent wreath last year that I'd been saving up for, didn't have the candles, and I went and found, uh, I found battery operated candles because I don't trust my kids to hold a candle with the flame just yet. Don't trust them, <laughs> especially after yesterday. I'm like, no. In fact, I go, no, we need to go get some AAA batteries. <laughs> I can just see them. Ooh, no, there's no ooh. Uh-uh, we, we are silent. We are reverencing Jesus quietly. You know, yes, yes, at church, I want you to worship, but while you hold open flame, you worship, you worship in your head. Okay, don't you worry. Don't you, uh-uh, no, no. This ain't 90s waving the flags. No, you hold it still, son. You hold it still. So we're doing the battery-operated candles. But each week, you, you know, you would light one candle. Obviously, you know, before you go to bed or whatever, make sure you blow it out. We don't, I don't want your house on fire. Don't put that on me. But, you know, you blow it out. But the reason you start with one is because, it, you know, I heard one minister say, you know, you get the room real dark or you just cut the lights off and you light that one candle. Then you begin to talk with your family about how in the very beginning it was darkness. 
And in, in fact, Genesis 1, it says in the very beginning, there's darkness over the earth. The earth was formless, formless. And the spirit of God just hovered over the waters. And in the right time, God said, let there be light. And that candle is, brings light to a dark room. And it's symbolic and it reminds us of how Jesus is our light. Amen. Amen. Another way to celebrate Advent, obviously the, the Advent wreath, but another one is decorating your house in stages, which is symbolic of how we, how we build up each week to Christmas or we build up each week to the coming of Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, please don't hear me. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, if, you, if you've already got the house decorated, you're in sin. Not saying that. Not saying that at all. Because, listen, I'd rather just have it all put up that way. We ain't got to just keep pulling the bins out. This, this. I, I don't like putting the stuff. I love taking it down. Taking it down is fun. Like, whoop, whoop, whoop. And, you know, mom and even Kelsey are like, no, it's got to, you got to store it this way. Why? Why? <laughs> Why do we got to? St- I don't know about that, okay? I, you know, I can't speak to the ornaments. I plead the fifth on that one. I plead the blood. There we go. I plead, I plead the blood. <laughs> Another way to practice Advent is don't be in a hurry to put away your tree after Christmas. Now, this is where my toes get crushed. Because, see, see, in Lindsay's mind, you, you start decorating for Christmas Day after Thanksgiving, maybe two days if you want, you know, give yourself time to, you know, you might be in that turkey coma where you just, you know, you're so turkeyed out. You got to have an extra day to get all that, get some room, you know, unbutton the pants, breathe a little bit, and then two days later, start putting the tree up. And then in Lindsay's mind, December 26th, okay, we, we honor, yeah, we play with the toys, but, you know, while the kids playing with the toys, all right, we're going to get the bins out. And December 27th, boom. Put them back in storage before the year before the year starts. No, I don't want to see pine needles. Nothing. Don't want to see it. Nothing. The only people that should be still honored is Hallmark, and that's because they've already signed a contract. They got to carry it all the way out to the end of the year. But in Lindsay's mind, December 27th is the cutoff date. All right. Maybe a third. Jesus. Jesus did what Jesus did his best work in three days. Three days Christmas, and then we we out. But Advent, it encourages us to continue to celebrate all the way to January 6th. The reason why, because what he did, I mean, there's, you can't encapsulate what Jesus has done in your life in one day. If you look at all the, all the things that the Lord has done for you, through you, what he's kept you from, what he has shielded you from, what he's protected you from, the ways that he has made when you didn't think he would provide, uh, all the different times that he has encountered in your life, you, there's, there's not enough walls, there's not enough ink in a pen, there's not enough hours and minutes in a day for you to articulate all that he's done for you. And for us to just go with the world system to where we got to encapsulate it all in one day and then move on. No. With Jesus, we don't move on with, uh, from him. We move with him. Amen? Amen? We don't move on away from him. We move on with him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That's, in the no- that's not in the notes, but I pray you get that. But, uh, but, but so I encourage you, you know, don't, don't, don't give in to Lindsay's temptation three days later. All right, we got to put the tree up. Just, you know. You know, take take your time with it. You know, if you're if you're like, ah, I got to put something up, then, you know, put find whatever's got the most glitter. and Put that up. You know, they call me. I'll help you put the glitter stuff up. Lordy day. Oh, man, that stuff don't go away. But with each week of Advent, like I said, there's there's four candles. And then the fifth candle is the white candle that represents Jesus. But each week represents something. The first candle is hope. Somebody say hope. So this week, today, we're going to talk about hope, and we're going to focus on hope. Now, hope, if you're taking notes, hope is confidently expecting a certain thing to happen. Hope is confidently expecting a certain thing to happen. Hope is confidently expecting a certain thing to happen. See, when it comes to hot water, you would never know hot water was hot if you never had experienced cold water before. You never know that hot water was truly hot if you've never experienced cold water before. Hope is, Lindsay, what does that mean? Well, understand this, hope is never found on the mountaintop. It's always harnessed in the valleys of your life. Hope is never found on the mountaintop. It's always harnessed in the valleys of your life. You know, when, if you ever watch the news and they show the people that win the mega million, you know, the first thing when they're like, what are you going to do now? They're not saying, 
Oh, I can't wait to get in with Jesus to, to, to get more hope. Oh, I'm just hoping everything's going to play out. You don't hear them say, I'm just hoping everything's going to play out. When the, when the team wins the Super Bowl and, you know, the, the crew comes in, and it's, a, and it's a setup. We know now. As a kid, I didn't know it was a setup. But as an adult, I'm like, I know it's a setup. But when they win, this, when they win the Super Bowl and the camera crews up, you know, Lindsey Melton. Yeah, I'm going to use me. Lindsey Melton, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? You know, they're like, I'm going to Disney World. They never say, oh, I, I, I'm just going to get on my knees and pray that I can make it another day. They never say that. Why? Because they're on the mountaintop. They're feeling good, like they should, you know. But hope, it's never found on the mountaintop. It's always harnessed through the valley, amen? Somebody say, through the valley. And you would never need light in a room unless darkness resided in the room. So we, uh, you know, if we blacked out the windows and turn all the lights out, then you would be like, well, hey, how can I read my Bible? Or how can I read my phone? I, I, I need some light. Why do we need light? Because it's a dark room, amen? In Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bible, turn there. If not, we'll put it on the screen. In the CSB, Genesis chapter, chapter 1, excuse me, verses 1 through 3. I said it earlier, but it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the what? Earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 3, I love this. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. I love how light didn't question. Instantly, God said, let there be light. And I love this because I remember being in Bible college, and I heard Pastor Craig say this, but literally, if you look it up in the Hebrew, God's words have no expiration date. So when he said, let there be light, literally it looks like, and science has proven this. We talked about this a while back. But literally when he would speak, when God would speak, his, his words continued to carry because he's speaking the word of God. He's speaking Jesus. Jesus is known as the word. So when he says, let there be light, in the Hebrew, when you look it up, it says, let there be light, 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 and about a month ago, I remember seeing this scientific study where it talked about how scientists, how they, how they examined all the, way down to, all the way down to where even a microscope could barely recognize the very things that were holding this piece of wood together. They just did wood, like wood from a rocking chair. And when they looked at it, it looked like, it looked like waves, almost like frequencies. And they, they pulled up another piece of material and looked at and, and examined it all the way down to where even the microscope was struggling to look at it. And when it was more waves that was holding up this piece of metal. And they determined that everything was held up by certain sound frequencies. Woo! And when I heard that, I was, I was reading meters that day. When I heard that, I shouted. I was like, come on, God. And when I was explaining that to mom, she's like, Lindsay, I, I help catch me up. And I was like, all right, mom, I'm going to preach to you real quick. I said, because in the beginning, the Bible says that God said, let there be light. And it was like he spoke this world into existence. And science has shown that everything is held up by all these little sound frequencies. Showing that, guess what, his words, his voice. Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus is the upholder of all things, amen, down to the very molecules. But we said this, you know, why is Jesus called the light of the world? Because this world is very dark, very dark because of sin. See, in Advent, we focus on two events and four themes or four virtues. The four virtues we said earlier, but hope, joy, peace and love. The two events that we're celebrating through the season of Advent is one, the first coming of Christ, where Jesus came in the form of a baby. He came in the form of a baby. In Genesis 3, God makes the devil and all of mankind a promise. Now, uh, you know, uh, you can turn there if you have it. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. But understand this, when God creates the world and he creates all the living creatures and he creates Adam and Eve and he says, go forth and be fruitful and multiply, but also bear my image and likeness. You've been created in my image. You bear my likeness. When you can look into the pond and see your reflection, you see Elohim. Why? Because they've been created in the image and likeness of God. I love this because literally when Satan begins to tempt them, he says, well, I, are you sure you're created in the image of God? Are you, are you sure you're created? Because if you were, you, you'd be able to do this, 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 this. And instantly, it caused them to doubt that they were ever made in the image of God. It caused them to doubt that God was withholding things from them. 
which is a doubt that we live with today where sometimes things will be, you know, somebody else gets blessed. And we're like, well, Lord, how, why, why not me? Lord, Lord you know, they're, oh, Lord, they're, they're getting vacation time off. Why, why, why I still got to grind and work? Or, Lord, their whole, they, they, they still have all of their family. Lord, why am I missing loved ones? And this is the same kind of temptation that we see, the same kind of trickery that we see, the same kind of questions that we see in Genesis chapter 3. And I love this because after they fall, in Genesis 3, God makes the devil and all of mankind a promise. In verse 14, he says this. He says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. And then verse 15, if you don't mind, sorry. I don't think I put that in there. Verse 15, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And we see from this moment, we see from this moment, this is the promise in the garden. That God said, hey, listen, even though all this has happened, my offspring, your offspring, Eve's offspring will reconcile it all. He will save us all. I love this because from that moment we see creation greatly falls away from their true identity as image and likeness bearers of Elohim. And when we see this horrible epidemic of sin, how it runs rampant in the earth, and it undoes everything that God had created. It undoes, sin undoes everything that God has created. Now, from Genesis all the way to the book of Malachi for 4,000 years, God used specific individuals to carry his message, to represent him, to echo, to echo the same promise that was in the garden. He used certain individuals like Isaiah, and I won't name all of them just for time's sake, but he used certain individuals like Moses and Noah and Jacob and Joseph and David and Joshua and Samson. Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Samson. You know, he used, he used Samson. He used Isaiah. He used Samuel. He used Saul and David and Jeremiah. He used Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not the scholar sisters, but the three Hebrew boys. He used them brothers, all right? He used all. The, he, and you look from Genesis. Don't do that. From Genesis all the way to Malachi. We see when we look in the Old Testament, certain individuals that are echoing the same promise that was in the garden, which was, hey, there is a Savior coming. So you have the nation of Israel, you have all the children of God. They are holding on to this promise that there is somebody that is going to come and save us. Now, Malachi chapter three, verse one says this. See, I am going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will subtly come to his temple. Subtly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant you delight in, see, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. And this is one, just one example of the promises that they held on to, the fact that there was a Messiah that was going to come and save them. Here's the hard part about this. From Genesis to Malachi, we see God speaking through individuals, using individuals, raising individuals up, delivering his children and all these different things. He is communicating to his people through these individuals. After the book of Malachi... If you look in your Bible, it goes right into the Gospel of Matthew. And we're like, yay, all right. You know, we was watching a movie yesterday, and, and Kellen was like, I'm done. I can't watch anymore. I said, no, you, the ending's not going to be what you think. He said, let me guess, happy ever after. Uh, I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> don't point at me. He don't get that from me. <laughs> and, you know, when we look at the end of Malachi, and instantly in your Bible goes straight to the Gospel of Matthew, we think, all right, happy ending ever after. Here we go. Jesus is going to come on the scene. But from Malachi, from the last word in Malachi all the way to the Gospel of Matthew, it's 400 years of silence from the voice of God. 400 years, not 40 days and 40 nights, not 21 day fasting, you know, because, you know, you fast for the 21 days. It feels like 400 days. If you fast in the bacon and the coffee and the chocolate, oh, Lord, it feels like that 400. Like, Lord, I'm doing this for you, but I need that grace. I need that. Lord, if you're like me, I'm like, Jesus, the same energy you gave to Samson, Lord, I, I need that right now. I need it right now. But it was 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. Theologians call this the intertestamental period. 
But 400 years of not hearing the voice of God, 400 years of not feeling him, not sensing him, not seeing him. Can you imagine, like, all, all they had to go on was the promises, uh, literally. And the Bible says that they weren't just living freely, but the nation of Israel, the children of God, they were always being captive, captured by the enemy army, captured by the, the enemy, uh, uh, captured by all these other people that worshipped all these other false gods, that had all these other false religions, had all these other rules and strict to where they would re-identify and rename the Jews, they were always being captured by somebody else. They were always getting their property seized, always getting their possessions seized, always getting stuff taken from them, always having to get the, 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 sec, the, the, the short end of the straw or the short end of the stick. 400 years of not hearing or feeling or sensing God. And when I got to thinking about that, it, it, it almost, we can relate to that now. Because we live in a world, well, guess what? We don't see Jesus. We can't see him face to face. And sometimes with the chaos of this world, it feels like we can't feel him at all times. Sometimes in these days, it feels like we can't hear him or sense him. Lord, hey, Lord, if, are, are you still there? Do you, do you still hear me? It's, it's very similar to today's climate. It's where it's like, man. The world is going rampant. Man, Christians are always getting the, the short end of this. Or, man, Christians are always getting this assumption. Or, man, we're, it feels like we're always having to fight this uphill battle. Jesus, where are you? Here we are about to celebrate Christmas again. We're about to celebrate you coming. You, you, we're celebrating that you came. Or we're going we're gonna to prepare our hearts for you coming. But, Lord, are, are you still coming? When are you coming, Lord? Things are, you know, you look in the news and it's things are getting worse and worse and worse. Well, Lord, you know, every, and everybody's like, hey, you know, the darker the time, that's when he's going to come back. And we're like, OK, but, you know, if he wants to come back tomorrow, we ready, you know. And you and you look at the state of the education system or you look at the state of the political system or you look at the news, you look at the weather, you look at the state of the fine. You, it just gets burdensome and burdensome. And we're like, Lord. Are you coming? And can you imagine the children of God back in this time? And they're like, Lord, are, are you coming? Because I, 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 I look where you spoke to Jeremiah and it says that you have plans for me, plans for me to prosper. But, Lord, I, I don't see that. Lord, I look in Isaiah and I see where it says that your word will never return to your void. But, God, I don't hear you. Can, can, can anybody relate to this this morning? These 400 years of silence, it's very similar to what we go through. But see, during Advent, not only do we celebrate the first coming, and, but we anticipate and prepare our hearts for his return. Somebody say his return. his return. I love this because in his return, this is where we get our hope. Now, we said hope is confident, confidently expecting something to happen. You got hope this morning. You are confidently expecting something to happen. If you have hope in Jesus, you are confidently expecting his word to be what he, to, uh, to return, not to, uh, to not return to him void. But you're confidently expecting Jesus to be who he said he was. And Jesus said in his return, the Bible says that in the return of Jesus, he will bring a new heaven and a new earth. He will bring his kingdom with him upon the earth. See, my kids, they already know there's sometimes where even Kenan be like, hey, daddy, when's God going to come and bring his new kingdom on the earth? And that makes me so proud, the fact that for this five-year-old kid to understand that when Jesus comes, he's not just coming like, you know, when you go over somebody's house and be like, hey, you know, you sit down on their furniture and you eat their food. No, no, no. Jesus is bringing it all with him. He's bringing his furniture. He's bringing his food. He's bringing his kingdom upon the earth. And the Bible says that we will be reunited with loved ones. Oh, I can't wait for that day. I got a, I got a slew of loved ones. I can't wait to hug and wrap my arms around. I got a slew of loved ones. I can't wait to high five. The Bible says that when he brings his kingdom, the dead in Christ will rise. He will judge the living and the dead. I can't wait for him to bring his kingdom because the Bible says that he will judge Satan and every fallen angel and he will cast them into the lake of fire. In fact, the Bible says that we will look upon Satan and say, is that the one that tempted the world? Is that the one that gave us so much trouble? Him really, really, because why we will see him through a victorious lens of Really? That, that's him? Oh, wow. No, 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 no. I love it because when he brings his new kingdom on the earth, there will be no more death. Oh, some, you missed your moment to shout. When he brings his new kingdom upon the earth, there will be no more death. There will be no more lack. 
no more cancer, no more murder, no more wonder where's the next meal going to come from, no more pain and aches, no more violence, no more racism, no more wars and rumors of wars. My favorite part, no more loneliness. No more school shootings, no more famine, no more, no more politics. We just, we get the truth, nothing but the truth, and so help us God. We get it all when he brings his new kingdom upon the earth, amen? And during this time of the year, we celebrate that and we look forward to it. When we look at the news, we don't get worried. When we look at who's, who's leading in the polls and the politician polls, we don't get worried. We don't sweat. We don't fret. We don't clench our cheeks. No, what we do is we get excited and say, oh, Lord, I, you already see all that's going on. I can't wait for you to bring your new kingdom. Lord, I can't wait for you to establish the true president, which will be Jesus Christ. Lord, I can't wait for you to establish the new economy system, which will be there will be no lack. Nobody will be hurt for a thing Lord I can't wait for you to bring your new kingdom because the Bible says that when you establish your new kingdom old things will pass away all things will be made new old things will pass away all things will be made new look at the person beside you say old things will pass away all things will be made new hallelujah amen is anybody excited about his new kingdom coming upon the earth if you decide to give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Now, Lindsay, why do you have us do this? Why? Because in Advent, that should be a posture of our heart. We're like, when we get worried, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to buy this Christmas present. You don't get worried. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, hey, Lord I thank you for supplying the money to buy this present. But also, Lord, I thank you that whenever you're ready, you will be given the greatest present to me and all those that have accepted you, which is you will be making all things new. What you just experienced is how the nation of Israel were able to last those 400 years. They had to remind themselves of the promises of God. They had to go back into the readings and writings of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezra. And, and they had to look and see, like we saw in Malachi 3.1, what they had to look and see. Okay, no, no, no. It, it says there's a Savior coming. I'm going I'm to hold tight to that. We said before, but faith, when you look it up in the Greek, faith, it's, it's a firm persuasion. You ever shook in somebody's hand and you're like, ooh, you know, you ever done that before? My kids, you know, I'm trying to teach them how to, we do, we do man lessons, and I love that. We do man lessons, and man lessons they are, uh, uh, consist of all kinds of things. You know, the first one was teaching them how to cut with a butter knife. We was cutting pancakes, taught them the right way, elbows up, all this stuff. And another man lesson, we won't go into it, you know, is, you know, when she thinks she's right, just let her be right and be quiet. You know, silence is victory. That didn't, that didn't, that didn't work out because Kellen ended up going to his mother. And what, so what's going on? Well, I'm, I'm going to be quiet so you think you're right. And I'm like, bro, you, you, you missed the man lesson. You missed the man lesson. <laughs> we got to start all over. Start all over, son. Start all over. He was so defeated, and I'm like, I'm defeated because you're defeated, you know, like, you missed it, you know. <laughs> you missed it, buddy. But, you know, with, you know, what? <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we get to do all these type of lessons, and when I wish I got, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm trying to just segue this all nice and buttery, but no. <laughs> But doing these different main lessons, you know, we get to teach them about all these different things. And with Advent, it's a, it's a good lesson to remind us that there is something coming, not just something, but someone. And that someone is so much greater than you've ever experienced. He's so much greater than your insecurities, so much greater than your past, so much greater than your hurt, your burdens, your offenses. He's so much greater. And this time, I encourage you, as we do this series in church, as we do this, as it comes, as the days count all the way up to December 24th and through the 25th all the way to the 6th, encourage yourself and remind yourself, there is a Savior that loves me, that, that, that cares for me, that shepherds me. And he has not abandoned me. He has not forsaken me. But he is coming for me one day. Amen. Amen. But, you know, the nation of Israel, they literally, the children of Israel, they had to look and look at these lessons and remind themselves that there is a Savior that is coming. There is a Messiah that is coming for me. Amen. Amen. We, too, live in a time where we can't see God and it's hard to hear and feel him at times because the noise of sin, it's so loud. The noise of sin, it's, it's so loud, but 
with the chaos, with the, with the volume of sin in this world, you and I, we have two choices. We have two choices. If you're taking notes, we're faced with two choices. Number one, your choice could be either you lose hope in God or you keep your faith in Jesus. You're faced with two choices. Every day you get up, every day you get up, you're faced with the same two choices. Today you can either lose your hope in God or you can keep the faith. Growing up, I remember hearing my, 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 my dad and my grandparents and my mom and, and, and so many seasoned saints, they would always, you know, they would always encourage people, hey, just keep the faith. I remember as a kid, I didn't know what that meant, but I would just go around saying, just keep the faith. Walk around past an adult, hey, little Lindsay, hey, just keep the faith. I didn't understand what I was saying. But every day, we as believers, we, we, are, we are faced with these two choices. You can lose your hope in God. You can look at the news, you can look at the political landscape, you can look at the weather climate, you can look at your bank account, you can look at every past mistake that you've made, and you can, you can, you can lose your confident expectation in God. You can lose that firm persuasion. The main lesson that I give the boys is, you know, when, we're, when you're addressing somebody, you shake their hands, you firm. You don't try to crush, but you give firm confidence in your handshake, and that's one of the things we're doing with one of the main lessons that we do. And the Bible refers to faith in Jesus as a firm persuasion. Uh-huh. And you know, when I, when I teach the boys how to shake somebody's hand, you know, I say, now, listen, you shake it, but you don't. You don't let anything come in between your hand and their hand. You want them to know that, hey, this is, bond, this is a solid bond. And the Bible refers to your faith in Jesus as a firm persuasion. How, how firm is that grip that you have on the word of God? Is it firm or is there, is there a space in between your fingers to where, you can, where the enemy can come in and sow seeds of discord? Is it firm or is there some space and opportunities, what we used to say in school, nothing but space and opportunity for the devil to come in and, and, just, and just annihilate your mind with all the woes, all the mistakes, live rent-free in your mind with all the mess-ups. All the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Is there room for the shoulda, coulda, wouldas to come in and, and, and plant seeds of doubt? Because that's what happened in the garden. Their persuasion in the fact that they were created in the image of God should have been firm. But for some reason, there was, there was a little space and opportunity. And the devil saw that there was space and opportunity. And he just, and he just, and, it, and it's never a big red flashing line or light when you're in your life. And, the devil comes in, just whoop, whoop, there's the devil, here he comes. Here's, doubt doesn't, doubt doesn't, it's not like a red light where you got red, yellow, and green. Doubt doesn't wait for the yellow light to, to let you know it's coming. The insecurities and bitterness and regret, they're, they're not flashing to let you know, hey, we're, we're coming. We're going, we're going to show up next Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and we're going to sow some seeds of discord. Just, you go and get ready, clear your schedule, we'll, we'll be by at 3 o'clock. It's never announced. It's always subtle. It's never announced. It's always subtle. But you and I were faced with two choices. Lose your hope in God or keep your faith in Jesus. Surrender your heart to fear or, be, or, or, or surrender your heart to Jesus. Surrender your peace of mind or surrender your mind to perfect peace. Stop trusting in Jesus just because you're not where you want to be or you can praise and thank him because you're not where you used to be. Amen. You got two options. You can lose your hope in God or you can keep your faith in Jesus. Let me close with this. How do we, how do we keep the faith? How do we keep the faith? Here's how we keep the faith. The Bible, Paul talks about how you and I, we can keep the faith. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, he says this. Let the word of Christ live in you richly. Somebody say richly. Flooding you with all wisdom. Here it is. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Number one, how do we keep the faith? We familiarize ourselves with the playbook. We said it last week. You know what the playbook is? The playbook is that Bible. The playbook is the word of God, whether it's a physical word of God or whether it's the app, the Bible app on your phone, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. You familiarize yourself with the playbook. You know, if you ever watch a team, a sports team, the reason they're able to scramble and succeed in their scrambles, you know, I remember years ago when the no-huddle offense became revolutionary. 
and see what the no huddle offense was. You know, when a football team, when they, you know, when they, when they finish a play, they huddle up together and they decide, okay, what play we're going to do next. Or sometimes you know, the coach or the coach I have an earpiece or a mic or whatever, the offensive coordinator be up in the tower looking down. You can preach off that. Looking down, he's looking, he can see the whole playing field and he's communicating through through a microphone to the QB. QB's got a little thing, little earpiece right here. And they're all huddled up and the QB gets the message from on high and he tells the team and they go execute the play. And years ago, I remember this thing called the no huddle offense came out and everybody was blown away by it because they would skip the huddle they get finished with the down, and then they go line back up. And, you know, the best teams that succeeded off that, the reason they succeeded off that, because they knew the playbook by heart. They knew that if they saw the person to the left and to the right set up here and set up there, they knew, oh, we're about to do iron 57 or whatever it is. They, they, can, they can look to the left and right, and they knew, hey, no, the playbook says it's like this. Oh, wait, he's back. There. Okay, I need to get over here. They familiarized themselves with the playbook. Therefore, they were able to operate spontaneously. As much as you want to plan your life, guess what? There is, it is going to be more spontaneous than it is planned. And the only way you're going to be able to thrive in this world is you got to familiarize yourself with the Word of God. you got to know that, listen, the Bible says that these things are coming. The Bible says that there will be rumors of wars and wars, but still, that is not the end. There is more to come. And if you familiarize yourself with that verse, then you know that when you turn on CNN or turn on Fox or turn on anything and it says, hey, there's another war happening, you won't surrender your heart to fear. In fact, you'll know, hey, no, 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 Jesus said this was coming. Okay, I'm going to stay in perfect peace. I'm not going to surrender my heart. I'm not going to get anxious about it. I'm not going to ignore it, but I'm not going to get anxious about it. I'm not going to lose my peace of mind. When people bring up your offenses, when people bring up your past, you're not going to give them an inch of your heart or an inch of your mind. Why? Because you're going to, no, 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 Jesus said offenses will come. When people don't want to receive the gospel from you, you're not going to get upset. You're going to, no, no, Jesus said that there are going to be people that don't want to hear it. It's okay, just shake the dust off my feet and move on. The only reason you know these things is because you're familiarizing yourself with the Word of God. You're reading, you're meditating, you're studying, you're seeking God with this. Number two, how do we keep the faith? We let every activity, Colossians 3.16 and even 17, Paul says, Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Can I say that again? Yes, Lindsay, say it again. I'm going to say it again. Paul says, let every activity. You know what every activity means? Everything you do. Everything you do. Lindsay, surely not everything. Oh, yes. Everything. I remember as a kid, um, uh, as kids, when we were finally growing up in youth ministry, Miss Renee would teach us. She'd be like, you know, and uh, we, we had a few characters. Me and Miranda, we was good. It was all the other students. It was all the other students in the group, you know. It was, it, Shadra was good, too. Shadra was good, too. <laughs> it was the other characters. It was the other jokers, you know. But I remember, I remember this one who, who shall remain nameless. But I remember one, this one said, hey, 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 Sister Nate, what about, can I go do this this, this coming up weekend? I want to go do this. And she said, kid you not, of course, she said, well, is that something you think Jesus would go do? And I remember slumping down in my seat like, ah. Why we got to bring Jesus in this? Just want to go do the, the, the wow, Jesus, Jesus is good. Jesus, why we got to bring Jesus in this activity? But Paul said, let every activity of your lives and every word that comes out of your lips be drenched in the beauty of our Lord Jesus. So everything that you're doing, Lindsay, are you sure everything I could do can't, can't, you sure Jesus can be seen in everything? That's the question you got to ask yourselves. What I'm doing, can I see Jesus in this? Not see Jesus doing it, but does, can this reflect Jesus to somebody that's needing him? And if it can't, then guess what? We have no part in it. We should not be partaking of it. Can, 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 can people see Jesus in the speech that comes out of your mouth? Can people see Jesus when you're going off on that coworker? And guess what? That means that you're going to have to practice patience with the coworker. 
talking to myself, can, G, can Jesus be seen to your kids when you are disciplining your kids? And if they can't, then that means you're going overboard. Can Jesus be seen the way that you respond back to your boss? If he can, then guess what? That means that you need to, you need to change the tone in your voice and you got to change the posture of your heart. Can Jesus be seen when you're ignoring certain family members around the holidays because you don't want to be around them? If he can't, then guess what? You know what that means? It means you need to pat those bads up and say, okay, Lord, let me go be the light. The same way you use the light in Genesis 3. Lord, let me go be the light in a, in a space that is dark and formless and without void. Can Jesus be seen in everything that we do? Because guess what? Paul said that every activity of your lives, every word that comes from your lips should be drenched with the beauty of the Lord Jesus. Drenched. You know what drenched means? Drenched doesn't, you know, you take a rag and, you know, if you drench it in water, it's not just the corner. It's not just half of it. It's completely soaked. And when you pick it up, it's just oozing of water. And watch this. Everywhere that it, that it, that it hovers over receives water. So therefore, if you are so drenched in the love of God, if you are so drenched in the presence of God, everywhere you go, people are affected. If you're so drenched in the peace of God, when you walk into a chaotic room, a chaotic conversation, people are affected by the presence of God. Why? Because you have entered into that space. Lindsay, how do I get drenched with the word of God? You get into the word of God. You spend time with Jesus. You pray, you meditate, you seek him. That's what this time of the year is fully about. Yes, it's great to get gifts. Yes, it's great to gather and eat and sing all these different things. But this time of the year, we, 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 we commit ourselves to being drenched in his presence. This time of the year, the world loves to consume gifts. Well, guess what? We should be consuming the gift the gift and drenching ourselves in his love amen drenching ourselves in his presence amen this is what we do especially this time of year we remind ourselves of how and why he came and what he's bringing back we remind ourselves the fact that he came in the form of a baby lived the life that we couldn't live died on a cross three days later got up from that cross placed our sins on that cross three days later got up and didn't bring his didn't bring our sins with him but left our sins in the grave and sits at the right hand of the father interceding for us daily we remind ourselves of that but then also we remind ourselves that guess what there will be a day that he will come and he will bring his kingdom on this earth amen where the world prepares for guests coming over, we prepare our hearts for the return of our groom. We prepare our hearts for the return of our Lord, for the return of our Savior. I said it last year, but, you know, if you could you imagine you sitting right here, you know, and, and uh, all of a sudden you got a, out of, you got a, a, a call on your cell phone news and it said Washington, D.C. And you're like, Washington, D.C. And you, you know, you put a little finger up, you go out to the back <laughs> and you're like, hello. You know, and if you're like me, if it's a number you don't recognize, you know, the, there's a little extra base in your, hello, you know, like if you're going to scam me, I'm let you, you're going to get, you're going to get the, you're going to get the unscammable Lindsay. Let's go. You answer that phone. You're like, hello. And like, hey, this, you know, and it's, it's, it's the president's secretary. Do you have time to receive a call from? And all of a sudden it clicks in and it's the president of the United States. And when you recognize it's the presence of the United States, you're, the, the, your, your vocal tone is going to change real quick. Whether you voted for him or not has nothing to do with whether you voted for him or not. And it says, hey, uh, uh, I'm we're going to be coming over to your house for dinner at four. I got some things I want to talk to you about, some opportunities I want to talk to you about. And you'll be like, today? Yep, four o'clock today. We're actually, I'm getting on Air Force One now. We'll be in, we'll be in route in about a couple hours. You know what's going to happen? You're going, to, you're going to close that Bible app up real fast. You're going to say peace to everybody. And you're going to run out the door because you're like, hey, I got to clean my house. I got things that I, you know, I got, I, I got to straighten this up or I got to put this out. We, we left this out or, or, you know, you, or, you know, hey, I need to go run by Walmart. We out of this. We, out of, we, gotta, you know, we got company coming over. You're going to go physically prepare your physical space. Why? Because the person that's coming, you feel is worthy of a clean space. That's what Advent is. 
you are preparing the space in your heart. Why? Because eventually the Savior is coming and you want, you want there, be, there, there to be no clutter. You want there to be no bitterness, no regret, no offenses. You want there to be plenty of space for him to come and dwell in your life. To come and dwell in your heart, to come and dwell in your mind, to come and dwell in your soul. Why? Because he's worthy of it. You, the Advent, it, literally we prepare ourselves. We prepare our lives. We prepare everything about us. We prepare because there is someone that is so much greater that is coming. That's what this time of the year is for. That's what we teach our kids about. Hey, this time of the year we are going to, yes, we are giving gifts, but we are preparing our hearts. We're doing inventory. And we're saying, okay, is there anything that I'm still holding on to? Okay, well, Lord, help me let it go. Lord, is there anything that I don't, I don't trust you fully on? Lord, do I have questions and doubt? I have questions and doubt. Especially after the way the last couple of months that have, that have happened for our family. There's some things I question. I'm like, God, I know your word says this, but in reality, this is what I'm seeing. Lord, I need you to, I need you to bridge the difference. I need you to bridge the gap. And there's nothing wrong with going to God with that kind of prayer. In fact, he thrives in that. Why? Because he gets the chance to show who he really is. And that's what he loves to do. He loves to show who he really is. And during Advent, that's what we are doing this, this season. We are going to give him a chance to show us who he really is. Amen. Show us who he really is as we prepare our hearts and minds for Jesus. One of the things that we'll do as a church, we'll send it out each morning leading up until December 24th, but we'll send out a, a, a link to the, a, a slight Advent devotional that we'll post on our Facebook page. And all it is just uh, just a scripture, something to think about, a prayer that you can pray. And then for parents, if you have kids, something that you can practice with your kids. And we'll, we'll send it out early in the morning. That way it's something you can think about throughout the day. You get, it's something that you can meditate on throughout the day. And if you, if you have small children, it's something that you can spend the day planning. Okay, how am I going to do this or do that? Why? Because guess what? The more that we can get the word in us, the more the doubt and the more the unbelief, the more the, the discords of all the bitterness, the more the shoulda, coulda, wouldas have no foothold on you. The more that we can fortify that firm persuasion in your life that you fully believe Jesus is who he said he is the less space and opportunity there is for the doubts to come in and take up root amen thank you for listening to the true north church podcast if you're not already following us on social check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.